Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Today on Accent of Women, we look at the supposed crime wave of African gangs that's sweeping Victoria. Since the start of summer, media coverage about these so-called African gangs has reached fever pitch. This rhetoric is being fuelled by politicians, including government ministers. The Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, has said he's alarmed by growing gang violence and lawlessness in Victoria. Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton has been particularly vocal, being responsible for the now infamous restaurant comments, amongst others, as well as decrying the Victorian criminal justice system and the judiciary in particular as soft. Interestingly, and in my opinion quite surprisingly, Victoria Police has rejected the idea of an African gang crisis, and while acknowledging there are victims who have been affected by crimes, calls suggestions Victorians are unsafe complete and utter garbage. African community leaders have warned of the harm this rhetoric causes to their community, including increased discrimination and vilification. To discuss the issue further, I'm joined by two young women who in very different ways are working towards combating this rhetoric and ultimately to ending this kind of racism. These two young women are Eunice Gaboy, she's the chairperson of the Afro-Australian Student Association, and Sajda Yakub, she's from the peer advocacy team of the Police Accountability Project at Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre. We're going to start off by hearing from Eunice Gaboy about her initial reflections on what's happening in the media. The first thing that comes to my mind is how will this affect the young African people, um, males especially within Melbourne. That's the first thing that comes to my mind is how will people now perceive them? How are they now going to have to live with this stereotype that's going to be clinging onto them for the rest of their youth lives. And in your work um, as an advocate and an ambassador and, you know, engaging young people, what, what are people saying? What's your experience? What's happening out there? So a lot of the wider community um, perspectives is that most of these young people have, I guess, taken advantage of the system that they're in, that they're ungrateful, that they're troubled, that they're, they've, they're performing a lot of antisocial behaviour and that they're not necessarily behaving towards a standard societal standard. So that's what some of the elders in the community are saying. And it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty devastating as someone who would probably count themselves among the young people. Um, it can almost feel like our elders are selling us out. What about young people? What are Like you, what do you say? What do your friends say? So me, myself, I like there is a small group of young people that are misbehaving. I don't necessarily think they're out there to be classified as a gang. I think there's just a lot of like reckless youth behavior in general that they're just participating in because um, a system has failed them. Perhaps they're not doing as well as they want to in school or they feel like they don't fit in society. So they're just acting out and that's how they're acting out. 
you also work a, a job, a retail job. What do you experience as an employee in the retail industry in relation to how young men, young African men are being perceived? I think what I'm seeing is a lot of uh, prejudice thinking and thoughts and actions towards groups of young African women and men. Just a lot of people who are seeing them as what is shown on television. So whatever the authority figures are saying, that's what they're perceiving them as. And if, like, just even as they're going about their like daily lives, they're just being seen as these terrorizers and menaces to society. That's, what, that's a lot of what I'm seeing in the community. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. We're focusing today on looking at both the media coverage, but also the political situation that gives rise to the racist sloganeering around the so-called African gangs crisis in Melbourne. You just heard Eunice Gaboy, the chairperson of the Afro-Australian Student Association. Sajda Yakub is from the peer advocacy team of the Police Accountability Project at Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre. I started off by asking her where this crisis has come from. When you look at um, the crisis that is happening at the moment, it's, it, you look at the crimes that are being spoken about. So basically a subset of media are going quite ballistic about recent crime incidents in Victoria, like um, an Airbnb trashed on a party in Werribee, there's been mayhem in St Kilda, the assault of a police officer in High Point. Um, And these particular incidents, which have very different dynamics and causal factors, are receiving national media attention and um, breathless, repetitive commentary um, when similar incidents involving Caucasian young people aren't. So we believe the reason that's happening is because these incidents actually fit into a bigger story. So um, if you look at, like, what's happening here, you look at the idea that African ethnic youth are driving a massive crime wave crime wave, it, that sort of idea has grown um, exponentially since March 2016 when the tabloid media, state opposition, the far-right, anti-immigration groups had a very shorthand way of describing it. Um, if we look at the Mumbai event that happened um, when a group of teenagers, um, you know, sort of a trash that event, the story of a youth gang called Apex came um, into into talks and that basically fitted the perfectly um that sorry perfectly fitted the long-held fears of ethnic gangs bring mayhem and fear to our city and so um right now when we see these crimes coming about and it's associated people of african descent it just fits right into that story well you mentioned a bunch of incidents and um i guess the media does explain the crime wave by pointing to those incidents you know the police officer in maribyrnong trashing werribee airbnb or the things that you talked about what what's the truth about this supposed crisis and and i i want to get to what do the statistics actually say and is there an overrepresentation of african youth in relation to crime in melbourne i can certainly say a very bold statement that there is no African youth crime rate. So Victoria does not have a youth crime wave at all, whether that's ethnic or not. Um, so the independent Victorian Crime Statistics Agency released its latest data report and that said that overall criminal incidents recorded in Victoria was actually down by 4.8%. Um, and there's a significant downwards trend in many crime types, um, much of which is like online law. 
Um, but unfortunately, because, you know, with the tabloid media, it does um, take certain crimes and build out of proportion, people don't tend to believe it. Now, the, the youth crime rates in particular in Victoria have been slowly declining for more than a decade now. Um, and it shows that, I think it's Crime Statistics Agency research shows that most crimes are by a small portion um, of repeat offenders for most youth crimes. So it's not like we're getting even new youth criminals coming about either. Um, and I think there was a the portion of incidents committed by alleged offenders under the age of 25, and that had fallen from half of all incidents recorded 10 years ago, which is in 2008, to 40% of all incidents now in 2018. So um, yeah, you do see a very, a very um, large decrease in that sense. And also, Victoria actually has the lowest rate of children from 10 to 6 to 17, which are under the justice supervision on the average day in Australia. So we're doing quite well when it comes to, you know, that quotation mark youth crime wave that um, the media is um, focusing on. Well, now that we've seen that actually this, uh, the media coverage is not borne out in the statistics, actually the crime statistics, the way the media is reporting it, it's actually a lie. There is no crisis of African violence, of African gangs. What do you think the reason is in that case? What's, the, what, what's a way for us to understand why this kind of spectacle I think a lot of the backlash is coming from probably like a political stance from authority figures. Uh, it's something for them to probably get the popular vote. Um, I think when people look, it's kind of like people are looking for a reason to make themselves seem as though they are the saviour or they're coming to save a community from what's um, putting them in danger. So it's coming a lot from like a political perspective of what can we do to elevate ourselves? I wonder, did you notice all of the stuff with the um, Milo Yiannopoulos um, e- event that was held in Flemington, Kensington, and then the targeting of um, the communities that reside in the Flemington flats, many of whom are African or of African descent? Mm-hmm. What did you think of that? And what do you say about this growing right-wing fascist tenant in society? I think it's disappointing because you wouldn't have thought it was that there was that much of such a presence towards like a hatred presence towards people of an ethnic background. So it's very disappointing in that sense to see just that many people want to come together and I guess voice their strong political hatred views against another group of people who are just innocently living their lives. So that is very disappointing to see. We can talk about, you know, how hurtful it is and how dangerous it is for society, but I guess a lot of people already know that. Mm. I think a bigger challenge is what do we do about it? How how do we combat these ideas? And, you know, particularly what's the – not that it should be the community's responsibility, but what can and is the community doing? I think the African community in general, it's a huge community, but – each and every one of its little communities within Africa that are in Australia are doing their part in terms of developing role models or helping people bridge networks with other professional industries or just being there for support in general. Um, In terms of like the wider community um, helping us elevate ourselves, it just goes down to giving us platforms such as this one here, Um, giving us platforms, helping us fund our 
the um, programs and activities that we want to put on for our demographic and just using us as a source of leverage to benefit our community and to also benefit the wider community as well, but just really assisting us in leveraging ourselves. It's funny, you talked about, you know, how big Africa is. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I find frustrating is how Africa is homogenised in the media when we're talking about gang violence and, and this kind of thing. I mean, it's quite racist, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, there is such a difference between the various communities that live on the continent of Africa. Do you Do you get frustrated by that? Definitely. I think in terms of the generalisation, it's a bit... It's a lot. It's a lot to take on because you're being, you're being perceived as like this one thing just because there is this huge generalization of just every single continent in Africa, and it's kind of like we're we're all different, so we all have our different cultural aspects to us, and it's just it's a shame because there's so much like individual differences that are so unique and amazing when you study them, and it's such a shame because that huge generalization towards us as African people is such a huge opinion and it's such a degrading one as well. So it just, it really wrecks the name for Africa and the beauty of Africa. And given that the hype continues to escalate, what do you say is the way forward now? I think the way forward is probably listening, if anything, not judging, um, watching your preconceived thoughts and just being mindful of what you are you know, projecting to society because oftentimes whether you want to say it or not, you can see it on a person's face, whether they feel like they should be afraid of you or they feel like they can conversate with you and talk to you like you're just like a regular human being. So I think being very mindful of what is what the other person who is of an African-Australian descent may be thinking when they're talking to you, now that they know that there is this stereotype or even as they're a group of young people are in a shopping centre, like being aware of what your instant reaction is when you see like a group of three or four people walking into that store, like just being very mindful of yourself and helping elevate those young people and helping them to, I guess, take pride in their culture and who they are as well. When you look when you look at why particularly um, you know this this is coming about, you have to remember, I guess, what the media really is for. And we know that the media is not neutral. And we know that it has biases and it's shaped and, and it's shaped by and it shapes public opinion. It tends to follow a very particular script. Now journalism they the journalism in general has a tendency to cover crimes where suspect is black and the victim is white. United States have demonstrated that through various research. Um, it gets more prominence, larger headlines and you know, that sort of radicalized language is used better. Um, but the biggest thing is that it fits into a particular um, story that they're selling. So, you know, it, it allows um, a, some conservative politicians, allows the far right, it basically allows them to say um, a lot, uh, say a racist dialogue and get away with it. And it sort of softens the blow in that sense. And um, in the midst of a moral panic that we're at right now, 
um, the current Intense Portrayal of African Youth. It's basically an adaption of similar radicalised scares that have focused upon Indigenous Australians, asylum seekers, Muslims, um, Arabic and Lebanese people. And it, it really does fit that story and give um, certain very small... Um, privileged people a basis and a foundation to then articulate their racist dialogue upon and somewhat justify it. Well, we've also seen um, some of the responses from the community. And look, the first thing to acknowledge is that this is a community that is under immense pressure and an immense visibility at the moment, which in itself causes quite a, a degree of pressure. But we are seeing... Um, demands that leaders of the African community come out and speak against this violence and and that kind of thing. What do you think of that as a response to the media coverage? And is it helpful? Does it make a difference to the way this is being prosecuted in the press? In light of answering a question, I want to first mention that um, that race is not discussed in media coverage when it comes to New Year's brawls on Phillip Island or Schoolies Week on the Gold Coast. And mainly these young people are predominantly fair-skinned or Caucasian. Um, And when we look at the worst riot in Victoria's recent history, which occurred March 2010, around 5,000 people smashed windows, threw flares at police cars, protested, there was $40,000 um, in damage, the ethnicity of the writers weren't even mentioned in one article. And they weren't any community leaders that were called up to comment or to explain why the overwhelmingly Caucasian youth were so violent. So ethnicity is, has deemed to be irrelevant when it comes to media coverage of, of an event that involves Caucasian or white-skinned um, criminals. And it is, a, it is mainly when it comes to ethnic minorities that we then talk about, um, you know, how ethnicity and crime are related. And we talk about community leaders having to come up and fix the communities and apologise on behalf of them. So I personally think it just uh, buys into that narrative that we need to, that minorities need to constantly be apologising for their behaviour um, and the majority are basically able to get away with it. Well, another apart from you know putting this pressure on the communities to um, to come out and make these statements, another response has been pop up police stations, particularly in the western suburbs. Um, and I, I think Vic Pohl and members of the African community joined together to do to to commence this initiative. What do you think of that as a response? Is it is it progressive or is it more of the same, more of the uh, vilification of African people in Australian society today? Um, look, I, I think when you first see it firsthand, you think, oh, they're working together, it's great. But when you read more into it and when you look at the context which it's all happening in, it seems to, to have a sort of counter um, reaction and it seems to sort of just validify the argument that those areas with a, you know, a high African-majority uh, population are more susceptible to crime and they need more help. And now we have, you know, pop-up police stations there to sort of, you know, um, make sure everyone feels safe because there's, there are too many African people in that area. So it can very much tie into that. And when you look at racism, you can see how, like, the reporting, commentary, amplifying on social media of African crime, it 
crime, sorry. It serves a, a set of very specific purposes for a range of groups and political positions in Victoria right now. I'm not saying Vic Pol is, you know, um, uh, has that intention, but some of the actions of Vic Pol or some of the actions of our own community leaders and some of the actions, very much all of the actions of the media, uh, lead to that. And um, basically, I, I believe that it is very much interest in the far right, the neo-Nazis, the white nationalist groups in Victoria who gleefully share, magnify each and every crime report and the fact that we have, you know, p police uh, pop-ups in, um, in Flemington and not in Turak. And it feeds the anti-immigration rhetoric um, and basically they ensure blame is firmly placed on the feet of the left, political correctness, multiculturalism. You know, um, we wouldn't have to fund these, um, you know, pop-up police stations if we didn't have such a high majority uh, African immigration population rate in those areas. Well, I'm glad you raised the issue of the um, new far right and neo-Nazis that are organised and actually taking action in the streets of Melbourne, actually right across Australia. They're gaining a lot of traction. And for me, I don't think these developments are entirely separate. You also linked it to um, the government's anti-immigration policies, uh, some of the comments that Peter Dutton has said, not just about African gangs, but also about Victoria's judiciary. Um, for me, these things are linked. I think we're seeing a very hard swing towards uh, the the right, towards race, r racism, uh, an end to multiculturalism. It's almost like that is the um, the the plan. Uh, you know, I know people didn't sit in a room and design this, but you couldn't be faulted for uh, kind of landing on that analysis in the end. Mm -hmm. I 100% agree with you. Um, when you look at uh, the Australian Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, MP Greg Hunt, Home Affairs Minister Peter Dunton, other Victorial, uh, Victorian um, federal MPs, they've waded in with comments to blame um, Daniel Andrews amid calls by um, MP J Jason Wood, I think it was, for, you know, uh, AFP gang bastards busting squad and um you know they've actually they've actually come to support um jason wood's long-running course to deport children so it, it, i definitely agree because i feel like this is very much an example of how fear of crime is used for political purposes and we will come back to this in history and you know um i guess dissect it and and see how it all um panned out and how many different um, institutions played together to, uh, like you said, just forward that anti-immigration, anti-multiculturalism um, outlook. Well, in order for us to be able to reflect and consider and look back and understand what happened, we have to get through this period. And I'm not sure we're necessarily getting through it. So I guess my question for you is, where to from here? How do we combat this level of racism and white supremacy in Australia? You're right. We do have to come out of this to be able to see it in retrospect and, and um, reflect on it. Um, I think... Uh, it, it really, there's so many ways to go about it. Um, it is easy to feel sometimes disempowered or, you know, uh, quite frustrated with what's happening at the moment. Um, but I believe that uh, a lot of change starts from home. So generally, I, I think just educating yourself and educating those around you on what's happening at the moment is 
so easy to get caught up in what Channel 7 or 9 on Channel is telling you. Um, so it's really important to go and look for um, genuine, uh, very unbiased and neutral uh, sources and outlets of media and, and get your information from there. So when you have these dialogues just in the workplace or with family, um, you're able to sort of spread the truth in that sense. It, it does seem small and minute, but it does make a difference, I believe. Um, at a larger scale, you know, the Flint Kempton Legal Centre, we have a project um, that works uh, towards tackling racial profiling. Um, there are so many NGOs out there, so many organisations and projects and, um, and, and volunteer um, uh, positions out there to help fight against race and discrimination at so many at many different levels. So I would encourage that, you know, people do really, um, if this does make their teeth clench, if they really um, want to do something about it in that sense, they can always get involved in something like that. And, um, yeah, like I said, the change definitely starts from within. So I guess trying to um, ensure that you're always up to date with that type of information and, you know, remembering that it, it affects you as well because, um, you know, it, it, our kids are going to have to grow up in this environment and it, it can possibly get worse. That was Sajda Yakub from the peer advocacy team of the Police Accountability Project at Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre. And before her, Eunice Gaboy, the chairperson of the Afro-Australian Student Association. If you want to get involved in the work of Flemington Kensington Legal Service in relation to police accountability, or you yourself are experiencing police racial profiling, you can contact them on 9376 4355, area code 03. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.